And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Boom, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Hernan C.S. and this is the first of the four-part series, and I'm going to be your guest host for the next four Wednesdays, bringing you everything you need to know about digital marketing. So welcome to the Startup Hustle podcast. Uh, today's guest is Kristen Chivago, and she's from Chivago Partners. And what is that? They do a full-service digital, digital marketing agency. I mean, they do it all. I mean, everything from they help clients increase their revenue and compete effectively uh, using the latest digital marketing methods and tools. They're a full service company with, and, and they'll basically they'll complement any service or resource that you already have in place. Because let's face it, things are changing as we go. And they provide customer and market research, content marketing, search engine optimization, social mar social media marketing, online advertising, site development, optimization, influencer marketing, email campaigns, and digital status reporting. Ladies and gents, that's like everything. Plus an unusual combination of revenue coaching and effective digital marketing programs. Let's just say that they got a team of professional writers, designers, developers, and they're not going to waste your time. These people are subject matters experts. So they're not going to talk to you about stuff that's inappropriate or worse, outdated. They love working. They love their team and they love working with clients who are ready to take their business to that next level. So without further ado, let me bring to you Kristen Zivago. Uh, and uh, let me just actually jump into this. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. All right, Kristen, let's do this. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So let's define digital marketing, because let's face it, when it comes to marketing, there's so many things that get grouped together. We kind of want to, you know, let's, let's level the playing field a little bit. So digital marketing uh, is defined as a set of activities used to create, communicate, and deliver value to your customers through the internet. Now, just on that definition alone, how would you say you're helping do that with your customers? Well, the first thing we do is the first thing I've always done as a revenue coach, um, because what I found as a revenue coach was that the biggest gap, the biggest problem, the biggest gap between the company and the customer is the customer knows what they want and the company is guessing. Mm. And so all of their decisions are wrong. The copy that they write, the way they go after the customers, the channels they use, and they just waste money. They throw money out the window and they don't get any results and they wonder why. And the reason is because they don't actually understand what their customers want to buy from them and how they want to buy it, specifically how they want to buy it and what they want to buy. So one of the things I learned early on as a revenue coach is I would interview the people in the company, find out what they thought was important to customers. And then I'd go out and I'd interview customers. Mm. And the list of those two, from those two uh, interviews was, com they were completely different. 
the company's list was different than what, you know, and the company was saying, this is what we think is important to customers. And then I go interview customers and they'd be like, no, 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 no. These are the things that are important to us. So you really do have to do this. And I wrote a book about it. Um, and uh, in the third chapter, I spell out exactly how you get these people on the phone and how you interview them. You ask open-ended questions. Don't even bother with surveys because that's just putting words in their mouth. doesn't work. And you learn the big things that matter to them. And by the fifth or seventh conversation, believe it or not, you will have bankable information that you can use to drive your marketing for the next year or two, no matter how fast your market's moving. It's shockingly effective. From what I'm hearing you describe, it feels like there's a lot of businesses out there that have placed a lot of money, a lot of capital to start their their venture, but they don't exactly know who their customer is, or if they know, they don't know how to communicate with them. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and, and given that this is a startup, um, podcast, we need to address the question that a lot of them will ask, well, what if I don't have any customers yet? So what you do is you start with people who might be customers and you ask the same open-ended questions. And they're questions like, you know, how do you feel about these types of products? What other uh, things have you looked for before? But one of the big questions that in, to me, that's one of the most important questions is what was your mindset when you set out to buy? What was on your mind? What were you looking for? And to me, I, I call this mindset-driven marketing. The mindset, which is more important than a persona and all the other things people work on, are consists of the desires, the concerns, and the questions that they have when they set out to buy. If you understand what those are, then all of your marketing can address their desires, their questions, and their concerns. And you will answer their questions and you'll make it easy for them to buy, which is really what we're supposed to be doing. When we put on our buyer hat and we go out to try to buy something and we discover that they haven't answered our questions and they don't give us the information we're looking for and it's really frustrating, we know how badly companies do this. But when we are sellers, we forget that. And we just want to make the sale and we start making assumptions and we're scared. We're afraid to ask them what they really think because we don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but the open-ended questions that you're talking about here, they're not really telling you, you know, do you like my product or do you not like my product? Uh, these well, are more. If, yeah. If you're talking to existing customers, the, the questions are, how do you feel about our product and service? Um, if you were the CEO of this company tomorrow, what's the first thing you would focus on or fix? Which is a great question because then you find out what your problems are and what the barriers to the sale are. Uh, what trends do you see in your market? Um, uh, if you were searching for this in Google, what would you type in? You know, mm -hmm. Those are more of the kinds of questions that you ask. And those are the things that give you the answers. And people will talk for a good half hour about all of this if you're polite about setting up an appointment and doing it by phone. Don't, don't do it in person. You don't want the body language stuff getting in the way. So we're asking questions to figure out what our, what our customer is looking for. And it's funny that you say, you know, do it uh, by phone versus in person. When a lot of times today, I mean, most people are starting their buying journey online. Like they yeah. start with that Google search, right? So 
picking up the phone and, and calling them, how, how is that going to help me get my ideal buyer in line so that my messaging is correct so they think of me when they're starting their journey online? So what you do is you, you email them, you ask them for an appointment. And again, I explain all of this in my book in excruciating detail because these are things I've worked out over literally thousands of interviews for hundreds of companies, okay? So this stuff works. So you get, you get an appointment with them, you get on the phone with them, and you just tell them right up front, um, I'd like to ask you some open-ended questions. You tell them you're recording because you can't type as fast as they can talk. And you tell them that everything they tell you will go into a report that's categorized by subject, so it's completely anonymous. Those things make them relaxed and they open up. And you ask these open-ended questions and you don't sell on this call. Even if they start sort of asking questions, say, no, you know, I'll be happy to answer those questions, but let's wait until another uh, phone call. Because the minute you start selling, they become poker players. And they mm-hmm. stop telling you what they really think. This is the yeah. problem with CEOs who think that their salespeople are telling them what customers really think. We never tell we never tell salespeople what we're really thinking when we're being sold to. No, of course not, because yeah. we don't want to be sold. But we all want to buy, right? We yeah. all want to buy, but none of us want to be sold. Exactly. That's very right. Correct. Okay, so how is how is this going to help me once I once I've acquired the the data that, that you're looking for here, once you've asked these open-ended questions, how does it help with my digital marketing? What are some of the benefits to having that information? So what you're doing with digital marketing is you are presenting your content, you're, you're answering questions, you're um, giving them information they need in order to buy, and you're using a variety of digital channels to do it. So it's appearing on a screen somewhere, whether it's a desktop or a mobile phone or whatever. And uh, if that message is wrong, I don't care how much traffic you get to your site. If they come to your site and they don't find themselves there, they don't resonate with what you've written, there's that big gap between what you think and what the customer thinks, they'll just click away. You know, your competitor is just a mouse click away. And so you really have to get them in those first few seconds and they have to say, that's me. They know what my desires and my concerns and my questions are. And they start interacting with your site and they dig down deep, they stay longer and they go all the way through to the buying process that they finish the purchase as long as you don't get in the way. Let's, let's, let's start with the, the beginning part of getting the customer to come over. So when you're talking about the messaging here, um, we're talking about, hooks headlines grabbing attention um what when you're when you're developing your messaging based on the information that we grabbed from from our customer res- our, our surveys and our questionnaires and our phone calls what makes a good hook what makes our our potential buyer want to click over and to learn more okay so i'm going to give you a great example we're working with a company that sells liquid nitrogen to southern california customers And it's everything from university labs to, um, you know, people freezing embryos to cryogenic um, spas and things like that. And the biggest problem that these people have, I I did the research and, and, and what we found was that the big companies that deliver liquid nitrogen break their promises all the time. 
I mean, they're terrible. They're really not delivering in a reliable way. So the guy who runs a cryogenic place can't, you know, suddenly he's out of liquid nitrogen. If he doesn't have any liquid nitrogen, he can't give anybody a, a liquid nitrogen spa treatment. Or, or the, the embryos that they've had frozen for 10 years are suddenly going to die. I mean, this is really serious stuff. And so these people are petrified that somebody's not going to deliver. Well, this company that we work for, um, and we have one rule at our company, we don't work with jerks. So you know, they're, they're nice people and they take care of their customers. We don't take on anybody who doesn't do that. And these guys, this is a family-owned business, and he knows how difficult it is for them. And he really does deliver. He really does. Once you've got a schedule with him, and he'll come out on a Saturday at 8.30 in the morning or something and make sure that you've got what you need if, you know, it's the first time or whatever. So we all we did on his website, we basically left the design. The design wasn't bad. It was okay. We... Personally, I, in this case, rewrote all of the copy on his site. And it basically kept hammering that home about, you know, we really do, we know what you're going through. We know what your desire and your concerns and your questions are. You don't want to be left hanging with no nitrogen. Um, and everything we talked about, here's how we do it. You know, here's, here's the methods, are the methods that we use. And uh, we can even save you money because sometimes we'll come in at night. Customers will let us, you know, at a university lab or something, they'll give us the key and we'll come in and replace the, the, the nitrogen. Um, and his sales have just gone through the roof since we did that. I mean, it's just been, it's completely turned his business around. He was, he was needing cash when we started and now he's got a waiting list. Hmm. All because of a shift in messaging. Yeah. Sounds like. Yeah. They were looking you know, they would say liquid nitrogen supplier near me because it's a very local business because you're delivering a product and he's showing up now and we're also working on content. So Google gets him ranked higher and all that, but he was still a local guy. And so he'd show up and before they were coming to his site and it really wasn't resonating. He wasn't talking about those specific issues that they were having. And the testimonials and that, you know, getting those up front where it's, man, these people really go out of their way. I don't feel like a number, you know, that when you work with the big liquid nitrogen companies, they are just as bureaucratic as can be. And so you can't rely on them. When you're talking about the copy that you had on their website or what they had before, I, I kind of get the impression that it's like a lot of entrepreneurial websites that I see. Uh, you go to their website and it's all about me, 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 me. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. And this is what I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Versus what I hear you kind of describing now is this is the problem that you're going through. This is how we solve it. it, right. it you, you're almost flipping it like where the website is not really about the business. It's about the customer. Am I hearing you correctly? You are absolutely hearing me correctly. That is correct. Perfect. Well, once you once you're able to shift over Right now, now you've now you've uh, taken this company and you've you've given them a different perspective. You've identified who their customers are. Uh, you've identified what their customers are looking for, their pain points. Uh, yeah. You've revamped their ad copy, their website, to so that it's customer facing, so that their customers are the ones who are finding themselves uh, with problems and solutions in the same spot. How do we get somebody who's 
dabbling, questioning, maybe thinking about going to, to use this service to definitely working through this sales process and, and converting. Well, part of it too is once, once they've said, yes, that's me. Now we have to make it really easy for them to go through the buying process, which so many companies mess up. They don't answer the questions people have as they go through the process. We have another client that, um, sells what I would call a forklift for data centers. So you data centers are, you know, these big, enormous buildings with temperature controlled environment with hundreds of servers in them. And, um, they have to move these 300 pound, $3 million servers, which are basically big computers around physically inside this data center. And this is the only company that built a What's basically, it's like a hand cart, but it's a very sophisticated one, push button kind of thing that goes in, gets the server out, puts it on, on the little platform, and then you just push it to where you want it to go, and then you reinstall the server. Either companies try to use some generic warehouse lift that doesn't work, or they use a couple of geeks <laughs> who really shouldn't be lifting 300-pound servers um, and who also have very delicate positioning things to put it into the rack. Um, and the guy that runs that company is absolutely brilliant and he's a very good logistics guy and we've worked together on everything, but I have to give him credit for saying, okay, we should be able to sell these, rent them. Uh, we should have a buyback program. You know, if somebody has an old, uh, a lift that they don't like and they want to get it, uh, get money for it. We'll actually take it away for them because these are big and heavy things. Um, and having that, and then we also made sure that there was chat, which is almost essential. If you have a website, you got to have chat these days. People expect it. And a quote form, get a quote, a very easy form to fill out. Say, I want this lift, how much? Um, so there's all these different ways for them to buy easily, conveniently, click, 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 done. Okay. Off and running. He also replaced his salespeople with customer service people mm. and they are not on a quota and they don't have to push for the end of the month and all that stuff. Those stupid games that salespeople go through, they just do everything they can to make it easy for the guy to buy. And their oh. sales have just gone through the roof. They're up like 50%. And this is an established business. And that makes a big difference. I mean, so far, ladies and gents, we've only covered really two things. One was identifying your customer, figuring out who you're talking to and what is it that they're struggling with. And then the other part is restructuring your, your website, restructuring your ad copy so that you're talking directly to the customer. So we're going to take a little break uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about different types of digital marketing that you can utilize to start putting things into action. All right. So here we go. All right. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. All right, business pros, here we go. Digital marketing you can utilize. So Kristen, there are different things that we can do when it comes to marketing. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of these. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about how a website is designed uh, so that it's forward facing. Let's talk a little bit about search engine optimization. You kind of talked a little bit about, you know, helping you rank. What is it and what are you doing there? What's the goal? 
Well, obviously, Google is the person, the, not the person, but is the, is the bot um, to satisfy. And Google uses about 200 different criteria to rank people. Now, the Google thing is a zero-sum game. There's only 10 spots on that home page, that first page of results. And I don't know how many people go beyond page one, but not very many. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't matter much to be on the other pages. So you really have to work hard. And you're competing against other people who are trying to um, attract buyers who are using the same search terms. So the first thing you have to do, which a lot of people don't talk about, but you have to do competitive research. And here we go again with, you know, you got to do your homework before you go out there and start spending money. You don't just hire somebody and leave them alone and realize six months later you've spent $10,000 and nothing happened. That's... Most of the people that come to us, that's what they've done. And it's really sad. It's really stupid. doesn't work. So the first thing you do is you do a, a strong competitive analysis. You find out what keywords your competitors are being found for. And we do this with a, a number of different tools. Um, and find out what they're getting clicked on. So it's not just what they're being found for, but what they actually get clicks on because it's you know, impressions are one thing, but clicks are where the, the money is. And then you use that to build something we call an SEO persona. I don't think anyone else is doing this, where you basically say, okay, it's like a pyramid. And at the top is the name of the company. And then the next three boxes are um, what we want to be known for, what we're selling, you know, basic, your elevator pitch. And then things people can do on the site, that's the next row. And then it's a spreadsheet built like a pyramid. And then at the bottom are all the keywords that your competitors are being found for. We bubble all that up through the research and we say, okay, these are the keywords that we need to include in the content on our site, in our social, in our, uh, our social media, in our, um, anything we put on the site, the, the blogs and the um, pages. And you don't keyword stuff. You don't just mention the same word over and over. Google got wise to that, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And so that doesn't work. Um, And it has to be readable content. So there's an art to writing content that has that focus keyword in the title and that first headline and the, or the first subhead and the first paragraph and so on. Um, But you can do it. It works. And uh, you have to write, you really do need to refresh your content. Google, uh, pays a lot of attention to recency and frequency. So you want to be continually refreshing the content on your site. This is an investment. It does work. It does take time. How-to articles are usually pretty highly ranked. You can end up on the number one spot on the number one page in Google if you have a really good how-to article that a lot of people keep coming back to over and over again. And it just keeps, the success builds on itself. Um, you know, the popularity means Google's going to rank it higher. The more the higher it's ranked, the more people go and so on. But again, that's a long haul. SEO is a long haul thing. It does work, but it takes some time, months. And this, this kind of dabbles into your content marketing or your social mar- social media marketing plan, right? Because uh, what you're describing is, is really the long tail effect. It's what happens over time when you sit down with, especially with a startup and they're like, okay, I'm ready to 
to do some stuff to, to start generating business, uh, you, you, you're probably thinking more along the lines of a pay-per-click or like a PBC advertising versus social media marketing and content strategy SEO, which are more long-term. Can you help clarify that for us? For oh a startup? yeah, you said it perfectly, actually. Um, I always tell clients that SEO is a long process. It's not an overnight kind of thing. And we have had, you know, surprises because sometimes Google surprises you and makes something into what they call a featured snippet, which is the very first thing on the first page, just because it was such a good article and it's so popular. Um, but if you want fast results, you do have to also go to uh, online advertising and have really good pay-per-click people that, that again, do this keyword research so that you're competitively bidding for the same keywords. Um, you set a budget for a small company. You could spend as little as 10 bucks a day. And, and once you've used up that 10 bucks in that day, then okay, that's it. That's, it's not going to show anymore. So you can stick to a budget and you have to watch the numbers very carefully. Whoever is doing your stuff for you, if they're not showing you numbers every week, you got to find another vendor because it's just, you, you cannot just set it and forget it. This stuff is, is a constant learning experience. You do the best you can at doing all your research and then you put it out there and you see what happens. Let's, let's hover on that because the, the pay-per-click stuff is, is where I think uh, a lot of small businesses struggle because there is no exact winning strategy. There's uh, we tried it, we look at the numbers, it didn't work, try something else. We modify our headline, we modify the graphic, we modify the copy, uh, and, and we basically test a lot of things until we do find something that works. Uh, how do we walk through that strategy? It's kind of two phases. So the first phase is doing that research and finding out what your competitors are getting clicked on. And honestly, these days, you can see the exact ads that your competitors are running. You can see pretty much how much they're spending. They aren't exact numbers, but they're close enough. So you can do an awful lot of research and get into the same arena that your competitors are in where they're, they're succeeding. You're seeing what they're doing and the clicks they get. And so now you can kind of mimic that. That's your starting base. And then from that, then you start doing your experimenting with the headline and the different, and you use different, you have um, a series of different headlines that you run. You can also use Google. Google is sort of an AI, you know, artificial intelligence thing. And they'll actually, you can spend some of your money letting Google's bot figure out what's going to work best for you. And they'll take a headline and, uh, and um, the, the copy underneath, you know, the actual ad copy and swap it out and experiment. And Google goes through a learning process. And um, we've had some pretty good success with that. It kind of depends on the client though. Um, now I do have to mention one thing. Everything we're talking about so far is fine for B2C, business to consumer. Uh, but the B2B market is different. It does, you can do pay-per-click. You can certainly, you certainly can do content marketing. But the thing that we found that works the best is to do an email marketing campaign where you're emailing to a certain number of people. You keep the, the output low so that you don't get on uh, spam filters and such. Um, 
and you have certain amount of content in there. I won't go into all the details because this is the closest thing that we've got to a magic bean. So I don't talk very, very much to the <laughs> clients. Um, but you send out a, a cold email to a list. We use Zoom info to zero in on something they call intent, where you can see what people are looking for and then uh, go down to titles and you have this, this campaign that goes out. And the lead generation from that is very good. Now, I have to say one more thing about B2B. In all the years, I've interviewed hundreds of B2B or thousands of B2B people. When I ask them, would you go to Google for this? They usually say no. If this mm. is a high intensity or high scrutiny kind of purchase where there's you know, a lot of money involved and it's political within your company or whatever, you have to make sure you don't make a mistake. You don't want to do a bad buying process. So uh, they always tell me I don't go to Google. I go to Google later, but in the beginning of my buying process, the first thing I do is reach out to my network, hmm. which well, means you better have good reviews. You better treat your customers well, because if you don't, they're not going to give you a, a recommendation and you'll never make the kind of sales you want to make. Well, let's cover that on, on the email marketing uh, because, you know, we were originally talking about B2C and I think especially on the consumer side, when we're spending money uh, to get those paper clicks or we're, we're creating campaigns or we're putting out content, uh, I, I, I wonder how many startup companies realize the power of developing their own list because when we're doing our own marketing, when we're putting things out keyword wise, when we're using Facebook or, or YouTube, whatever the ads are, we're paying for the distribution. But what you're describing here is when you already have the names, the emails, the phone numbers, the physical addresses, now you're in control of that distribution. So, you know, help me out. How much should I be spending to build an email list, to build that, uh, that customer list? And, and how much should I be going directly to conversion, straight sale? When you say directly conversion, do you mean pay-per-click? I mean, I mean, my goal, my intent is to get a sale out of this click versus gather data. Well, the gathering of data, I mean, with the databases that are out there now, again, I, I subscribe to Zoom Info. It's extremely expensive. Um, but I felt like I had to do it for my clients because I knew it was the best way to find the actual B2B buyers, you know, in a certain position, um, who could use this kind of thing, like the liquid nitrogen guy, we're, we're going after university lab people, a uh, very select list. And I have a software development company, we go after people that, that hire um, programmers and such. So you pick your audience carefully, and you have a carefully crafted email that doesn't oversell, it's very informative, it's very quick, it's like bing, 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 here are these three things you want to look at. And Here's the trick. The minute that they click on something, you should be notified in some alert program like Slack. And within 15 minutes, you should call them. You're talking about a follow-up process? Well, this yeah. is this is okay. So I don't think people make this connection very often as well. The connection between your digital marketing strategy and your internal sales process, because this is yeah. what you're talking about here, right? So yeah. it's one thing to gather the click. It's one thing to gather the information. It's a whole other thing to follow up. 
what kind of tools would you suggest to have something like like Slack so that it triggers? Like, how do I get when I click on a Facebook ad? How does it turn into a text message for me or a Slack comment? Well, you work that out with APIs, application programming interfaces, which basically set it up so that you integrate uh, what what's happening with your you know, with the email program or whatever that's sending it out and it automatically then sends an alert for you. Um, there's a campaign, there's a, a thing called um, drift. I think it is. Um, anyway, there, there are plenty of programs that help you marry those things so that when that click happens, you are immediately alerted and within 15 minutes, you give them a call. Now you say, well, doesn't that feel like stalking? Don't, won't they be offended? And the answer is the opposite. Surprisingly, if we're sitting there and we're researching something and suddenly we get a phone call from somebody that where we did in fact take an action, I'm not just talking about opening the email, I'm talking about clicking on something and saying, okay, I'm interested in this. And then the person is very polite, they're not pushy and they say, you know, I noticed you just clicked on something in the email we just sent. Um, how does this relate to what you're working on? You open up a conversation. Now. You can't use somebody who just dials and smiles. You, you just, you can't use somebody who's just trying to set up an appointment. They'll just shut them down. That's not what they want. They actually want somebody who can have a conversation with them, which is why this company I was telling you about that uses customer service people, those people know those machines and they can answer any question that you have. So you're in the mood. You've just been doing this thing. It's within 15 minutes. And you haven't gone off and started other things, at which time it would then become an intrusion. It would become an interruption in your day. <laughs> Excuse me. So you get this call and you think to yourself, man, these people are, they've got their act together. <laughs> they're calling me within 15 minutes of, you know, me expressing an interest. And they're very nice. Okay, now I'm thinking I want to do business with them and they're answering my questions. And gee whiz, now we're getting close to a sale. It's That's the way to work it. But you have to do these things. I mean, this is one of the tricks with digital marketing. You can't just sort of throw money out there and expect stuff to happen magically. You actually have to in, in, interact with the customer. So when you, when you have those systems in place, um, because one of the greatest perks of having a digital marketing plan and having an advertising plan like this is your ability to scale. Um, right. When you're developing some of these systems to put in place, when you're talking about hiring these customer service people, um, you know, as, as a startup, I don't know how I get started with all these things. How do I prioritize the order in which I create my digital campaign? Do I start with my SEO? Do I start with my content marketing? Do I go directly to, to PPC? Should I start with my internal processes? You know, what, what should I be looking at to kind of guide me through this process so I know I'm going in the right direction? Well, I hate to say it because it sounds so self-serving, but honestly, you really need somebody like us because, uh, you know, I'm looking at this as a revenue coach. And this is what makes me different from so many of the other agencies out there because a lot of the agencies are started by a copywriter or an SEO person or, you know, an email person or a pay-per-click person. And they don't really have that CEO to CEO experience where you're talking strategy and you understand there's a budgetary issue. And so now you have to work out the campaign. Now, I will say a good 
chief marketing officer or chief revenue officer should be able to do this. Um, I just have a lot more experience and I can usually say, wait a minute, don't go there because <laughs> if you do this bad thing's going to happen to you. Um, but as a rule, it, that's really what you need. You need somebody who's in your corner and they're not getting paid. You know, they're not benefiting based on how much you spent. Like there's some agencies that set it up so they get paid. The more you spend, the more they make. I don't like that model because what if they're wrong about, about that? It, it puts, you know, they're, they're, they're tempted to make bad um, recommendations. It really should be, okay, I want you guys to be successful. What's the best thing we can do within your budget? We have one client who started out with pay-per-click. He opened up. He had a brick and mortar furniture store, and then we opened up a, a new site for him. We had actually had already had a developer working on that. We helped him finish that up. And then now, uh, and we started pay-per-click because it was a B2C company and it was the right thing for them to do. And that's all they could afford. That's fine. So all we're doing with them is revenue coaching and pay-per-click. And then as we're going, now we're starting to say, wait a minute, there's some email possibilities here and it's only going to cost you a dollar a name for the list and then you know here's how the email goes not that expensive and you can go after your local marketplace and they can come into the brick and mortar uh, store and sit in the chair if they want so that's the next phase so you do it in phases you do the first low-hanging fruit that's going to try to get you those leads as quickly as possible and then as you grow as you get more revenue and you can afford it then you start moving into the other things the low-hanging fruit is always the easiest target to go after. Well, Kristen, um, you know, you, you talked about so many different aspects. I know that a startup, uh, a startup entrepreneur is probably feels like they, they got a water hose just like blasting in their face with all the information. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're going to need to talk to somebody. They're going to need to talk to a professional like yourself. How do people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Well, our website is JivagoPartners.com. If they if they Google my name, they're gonna the whole um, you know it's pages and pages of of Kristen Javago on there. And I do a lot of podcasts and I do a lot of writing in my blog, basically aimed at the business owner or the CEO to try to explain all this stuff to them so they're not um, running blind. Um, I will say that I'm very careful about how many startups I work with at any given time because the cash flow thing is such a problem and there's so many unanswered questions about the product and, you know, who's on the board and do they like marketing and <laughs> there's a lot of political stuff that goes on um, as the company grows. So, you know, my perfect client is somebody who's been in business for a little while and is really having trouble with the digital marketing, but they do everything else correctly. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, you know, people always like to get to know the person they're going to work with. So uh, what, are, what are some things that you do regularly to improve success or happiness or creativity? How do you win? Well, the first thing you do is you have the right people and the right processes. So when I started this business, the first person I hired was a chief um, operations um, officer. She was my application whisperer because these days everything is on the cloud and you're only as good as your apps, period. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to stay on the bleeding edge. Um, no jerks. That's really important. I have no jerk clients and no jerk 
workers. So every day, all day, all we do is help each other. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. Nobody gets in the way. I mean, my definition of a jerk is they just make things harder on everybody else. And a nice person does just the opposite. So that, that really gives me my peace. Um, my husband and I worked together for 12 years, then he retired, but he was still my, my go-to guy for strategy and so on. Um, had a really bad thing happen the last, um, few weeks, actually, my husband was suffering from cancer. It was his fourth battle with fatal cancer and he didn't make it this time. And he got so bad off. I mean, he had lung cancer. He couldn't breathe anymore. He was on a feeding tube and oxygen and he shot himself. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So that was, uh, and 45 years of being best friends and being together every day. This has been, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm saying this without crying. So I'm <laughs> really yeah. proud of myself right this moment. Um, wonderful guy anyway. So, you know, it's, it's important to me that I take care of my clients and my team. And if I do that, and I do my job and I'm responsible and, and facilitate my husband used to call it management by facilitation. I make it easier for them to do the right thing and to do their jobs every day. And that's what gets me up every single day. So would you consider yourself to be driven or obsessed? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just enthusiastic all day, like every day. That. I yeah. like enthusiastic. I mean, it's because, yeah. you know, there's always a fine line, right? Driven or obsessed? Uh, genius or a little crazy? No, I'm, so I'm a little crazy, but I, I, I'm I, not obsessed in the sense that, you know, I freak out about, I don't freak out about anything. I, I've gotten so calm and so, so just chilled about everything in life at my age now. I'm just, you know, I have a good day every day. So if you could look back uh, and and kind of, you know, decide this was my superpower in life. This is the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm really great at. What would that be? Oh, empathy. No question. My, uh, my, um, my mother remarried when I was eight, my parents divorced when I was really young. My mother remarried when I was eight and she had the first child that she had was autistic. And I love that guy. He and I are just super close. Um, I'm his, still his conservator. And in fact, he lives in San Diego where you are. He lives in Lakeside. Mm. Um, and he's the one who taught me how to figure out what people needed, even when they couldn't even say it themselves, because he's not very verbal and, you know, he would have very specific needs, but he couldn't communicate them. So you'd have to figure it out. And that carried over into this whole customer analysis and realizing that customers had real needs and they, they weren't being addressed by the people trying to sell to them and that that's where the big problem was. So I would say that empathizing and, and also that comes in handy in terms of what my clients want from us and what our team members need to be happy doing their jobs. Love your customers and your employees uh, and you will do well. That's one of the sayings that, that you have as, as one of your key messages. How has that helped you in you in digital marketing? Digital marketing is just another form of helping people and, and giving them what they need. Um, so, you know, it's just, there are new tools every two minutes and you have to be on top of it all the time. Um, we're constantly researching and using new tools, but other than that, it's, it really does come to this 
people to people thing. People buy products and services. So yes, there's a digital screen between the two of you, but everything that's coming across to them and everything they're giving back to you is person to person. You're exactly right. Kristen, before we head out, is there anything you think I should have asked or, or you were hoping that I'd ask or something that may, I, I may have missed? No, I think you did a pretty good job. Uh, I think we covered a lot of the areas that people need to know and uh, the, the, the problems that they typically run into and the barriers to revenue. So, no, I think you did a great job. Well, I think you did a great job too. Thank you for allowing me to learn a little bit from you. I mean, just the idea of getting out there and asking your customers what they think. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so simple. And, and know, you know, in hindsight, know. it's like, oh yeah, I should do that. <laughs> yeah. But it's something that I'm taking away from this particular episode and saying, okay, this is this is definitely something I need to implement. Let's start with the actual person who's gonna buy, and then yeah. we'll work our way backwards from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You reverse engineering a successful sale. And as I say to people, it's the customers who have the money. So absolutely. Shouldn't you know who they are and what they want? Well, you would yeah. think, right? One would think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for being on Startup Hustle Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Full Scale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check us out on our YouTube channel. Uh, again, Kristen, thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, for, I appreciate you taking the time and we'll see you guys again next time. See you later, business pros. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.